How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to your favorite swim bait podcast, episode 46, episode 6 of Bass and Buzzed. Today, we're joined by Mr. Steven Clipper, um, who is, I think, a guy who's gained a lot of notoriety in the, in the swim bait world for the last, for the last, like, honestly, from spring until now, he's, he, he's been uh, known to be a hammer. But uh, before we get, before we get too into it tonight, uh, episode six bass and buzz i am i switched it up a little bit usually i'm just i'm just drinking twisted teas but tonight i'm doing twisted tea lights so steven before you introduce yourself what are you drinking tonight on this fabulous uh what is it wednesday yeah wednesday night of bass and buzzed well i guess i'm kind of picking up the slack that you're leaving behind i'm enjoying a local category 12 chromatic ipa uh coming in at seven percent and just delicious because uh Sounds dangerous. Local chemistry professor that uh, basically gave up his day job to brew beer. So, no shit. That's yeah. that's epic. Is I'm, I'm assuming. Um, I'm assuming he's Canadian. Then, I I think so, or at least brews out of here. Yeah, just up the street. Right, yeah, around the area. But uh, yeah, I mean, for anybody who doesn't know who Stephen is, Stephen, introduce yourself to to the wonderful listeners of the of the the podcast sure yeah so um my name is steven and actually here's my son came in at the perfect time he just wants to say hello he heard that nixon actually had made an appearance oh, oh, yeah, yeah. previous so. hello hello yeah. <laughs> uh so that's my son i'm steve uh, i live in british columbia canada um 40 years old and yeah kind of new to this whole thing and really enjoying it and, and having, a, having a great time. So um, I've, I've, I think I've touched on it before. Like my high school did a really crappy job of like, um, like the geology side of things. And I remember hearing British Columbia and I thought it was on the west side of Canada. Like I thought it was like, I think that's like Nova Scotia. I think that's where that is. All right. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, your school it didn't do you any favors. It sounds like no, so. not at all. <laughs> Um, yeah, so BC is the westernmost province. So think of it as like the California of Canada, um, probably in a lot of ways. And then the other end, so the East Coast is like your uh, your maritime provinces, uh, Quebec, Ontario is all uh, the east. Um, so that's like above, or, yeah, above New York, above Detroit, the Great Lakes, and all that. Area. So I'm on the exact other side, which is I think about as far removed from um, like Canadian bass culture uh, as you could probably get. Yeah, so um, I didn't realize this, and I'm sure a lot of other, I mean, U.S. bass guys didn't realize this, that Swimbait Canada is kind of its own thing. And it's hard for me to believe, like, how huge Canada is. And then, like, it... I know you and I have talked about it. it. There is a small like bass fishing swim bait population in Canada as far as anglers go. And it's, it's crazy to think about. Yeah. I mean, for a country as big as Canada um, and for as many lakes as we have um, and, and there's a huge angling culture. It just bass isn't, it's not top of the list by any stretch. So from between BC and Ontario, you've got the prairies, so east of the Rockies, all the way to the Great Lakes. And there, I don't think there's bass in any of those lakes. So that's like the walleye dives and 
whatever else trout um perch and stuff like that yeah yeah perch i'm sure there's other like kind of pike and whatever bourbon else. <laughs> yeah um yeah for sure actually but so there's some some bass in bc and there's a bit of a you know a culture around it there and then there's lakes in ontario um quebec obviously um and then a little bit scattered throughout the maritimes but um i think that's why is it's just like there's you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 guys in Ontario and Quebec. Um, and then, you know, there's a handful of guys out in BC really that are uh, throwing big baits. Um, there's a f- fairly strong convention, like conventional fishing scene. Um, but nothing compared to like, nothing compared to what you guys have down there. Right, which, ah, dude, it's so crazy to think about. But getting a little bit ahead of ourselves already, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but how how did you get into fishing and then bass fishing in general? Your favorite swimbait podcast is now proudly sponsored by Leviathan Rods. Leviathan Rods is a Texas-based fishing rod company that's handcrafted and uses high-end, made-in-the-USA rod blanks. Every sale from Leviathan helps support foster youth and their families. With Leviathan Rods, you're not only going to feel a difference, but you're going to help make a difference, too. Friends of the show will also get 20% off their rod purchases by using code SCALES20 at checkout. So whether you're fishing a depth 250 or a square bill, make sure you're using the best rod choice out there, Leviathan Rods. I mean, growing up, my dad had been a, a commercial fisherman, so he, you know, he had done that. Um, but I grew up east of the Rockies, so in the prairies, um, fishing, you know, worm and bobber for trout. Um, you know, do little plugs and spoons and red devils and things, just whatever was kicking around and, and loved it. Right. And then um, I, I have vivid memories of Saturday mornings um, or Sunday mornings and catching like, so it would be like your bill dance. It's like our Bob Azumi um, fishing shows and just really eating that stuff up and, and remembering too, that there was um, like a lot of American content that would come up. So watching, you know, BASS stuff and bass stuff. And, and I can't, I can't remember who it was, but just being into it and remember like waking up and trying to find those shows instead of watching cartoons. Uh, But then totally let it go. Like we moved to BC. My dad was into the salt. Um, I had no interest in, in trolling for anything. Just doesn't, it just doesn't do it for me at all. Um, So I just fell out of fishing. Um, You know, probably from the age of, you know, 13, 14 until I was about 38. Um, It was 2020 when COVID hit. My son was, um, you know, the school shut down and we were homeschooled. And so we homeschooled on the dock uh, catching, (laughs) catching trout with power bait. And that's so cool. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was a great time. And he loved it and loved it. Um, and just one thing, I mean, really, just from there, it evolved very, very fast. Um, so within six months, I was addicted to bass fishing. And I went through, in that time, like fly fishing for trout. I went to carp. Um, and then I found myself on like smallmouth bass. And was it was just, there was no turning back. It was just bass, bass, bass. Yeah. So you got you got into trout fishing and stuff, like you said. And then you got into bass fishing. I mean, when a lot of guys get into bass fishing, it's like, um, oh, I, I fish a Senko or like I, I fish this and that. And then like take 
like realistically it takes like a year or two or at least that's what it seems like most times for guys to like get hugely obsessed with bass fishing like you said like wake up watch bass you know watch back in the day watch like john b and, and Perrick and fishing with flair and lunkers and all these guys and like you just like fully immerse yourself into it but like dude you got like you got hooked on it like zero to six yeah yeah and i think i was like like making up for lost time to a certain extent um yeah. so you know i consumed everything like all content that was online um kind of like pattern seasonal stuff and this that and the other, just everything um i would just watch it and watch it again and read books and look up articles and try it and um you know i started out with a texas rig from you know putting together some stuff from a local hardware store and then just like okay try spinner baits try crank baits try you know this that and the other thing and just work myself through it all um and like i yeah like i, I dove in pretty hard um i tend to do that i get really like obsessive and, and passionate about things um and like thank goodness for things like youtube and podcasts and whatnot just to fulfill all that right for content so you got into it i mean it sounds like prior to this point in time you know up, up until a couple months ago like you you didn't have a reason to fish anything other than like spinning rods. So what point in time did you get like your first bait caster and how did that evolve to where you're at now? Yeah, I think just when I started fishing bass, um, I probably pulled up like a, how to Texas rig, like how to fish a Texas rig video. So I went and bought a black max and I can't remember what rod, an ugly stick. Um, Classic. Yeah. Right. And like, probably 40 pound braid and some <laughs> ewgs from canadian tire and some yum dingers and went to this lake that just spits out fish little fish and just went there and just like just had a great time and caught a ton of fish um yeah and then so i'm a baitcaster but then I, like i still would just like consume content and consume more content and figure out other things and so still using spinning rods for different different things and finessing the smallmouth and um yeah, like I, I I bought a boat and it just got, you know, multiple combos and it was within months really of of catching my first bass. I was um, in deep, in very in very deep. No, for sure. And we had we talked about like you touched on earlier that there's there's a good amount of, of fishing in your area. Is there a good amount of swim baits or how how did you end up in in the crazy cliche uh expensive hobby of swim baits yeah yeah so um so throughout that that summer of 2020 just like trying different things and and failing at at a lot of things um i stumbled across the ned rig and that thing was just like it was just so it was it worked a hundred percent just worked anywhere any like it was ridiculous um and i fished that probably that rod and that bait nothing but that from september of 2020 until january um solely and just spanked like so many fish it was great um but during that time i was fishing with a guy and he introduced me because he he fished swim baits locally and he introduced me to Swimbait Universe and got onto that. And 
I don't know why I was intrigued by it. I think the concept of catching bigger fish was the initial appeal. Um, because like, I, obviously with the net, I'm not filtering out anything. So I'm just, you know, I'll catch, catch 40 fish, fish but I'll, yeah. you know, 80 pounds. So yeah, I just got introduced to swim baits through, through him and through swim bait universe. And that kind of, I think even warned me like, you know, be prepared to spend a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, for anybody who knows, uh, I mean, for anybody who's seen a single post that's gotten shared on somebody's story with, with your fish, they're, they're very, very nice fish. We'll just, we'll keep it at that for now. Did you know that you had that, what's the word? Not going to stay like pristine, but did you know you had that caliber of fish in, in British Columbia, Canada? Um, I, I mean, I'd heard that we had a lake record that was caught 10 years ago of, in my main lake of nine pounds, nine ounces. And then, you know, you'd hear of, um, you know, sevens being caught maybe an eight once in a while and sixes being like your, you know, sixes are, are a good fish. People's personal bests are six pounders. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and to catch them is like, that's, that's notable five pounds. Like when I go out, I'm like four pound plus small mouth, five pound plus large mouth. I'm happy. Yeah. Super good day. It's, yeah. It makes it worth getting out of bed for sure. For sure. That's, that's my goal. Um, so I, I knew that there was that, um, but I, I, I don't, I had no idea what was like, what is possible here? No. Did you, <laughs> did you ever see these caliber of fish before before you started catching them like did you have buddies who who talk about catching you know five six pounders while you were fishing the ned rig or was it like they they were just stories to you they were just folk legends no i mean the, the guy that i fished with a lot through the fall um of 2020 he you know he he'd fished for quite a while and he's an accomplished angler around here and he's caught like i, I met him it's kind of a funny story um so I, I was following him on Instagram and he posted this like obviously a, a very well shot picture to not give up a lot of information on the spot of a, um, his, a, a six pound smallmouth, over six pound smallmouth, um, which is here is like that's a, a solid, solid like yeah. lifetime fish. And there was just enough in the picture. And it was like a, the blur of a house, a white house, like squared off, like not a A-frame type peep like a modern white so i'm like, like okay yeah i know it's not this lake i know it's not that lake this lake is reported to have good smallmouth so it's probably that lake i'm gonna go there and try and find this guy's spot and like i fish i'd never fished the lake but i've like you know triangulated and like figured it out and um i sent him a picture of the first smallmouth i caught off the spot which was like a four something and he's like <laughs> you all right well i guess we should fish together because like you're obviously into this and that's how i met him and he basically just brought me on his boat and um yeah we just caught a ton of fish that whole fall so, but he so i mean he had talked about definitely talked about the he he told me about what would what was possible on those lakes and what went on and you know the history of them and definitely learned a lot 
So you like you kind of like low key doxed him, and he's like, okay, this guy knows this. The jig's up. This guy knows right fish. I might as well just bring him out with me. You might as well, yeah, shoot the breeze and fish. <laughs> yeah, basically. So, um, yeah, yeah. And so he he kind of had, was able to explain to me a lot of the history of the the island lakes and you know what to what to possibly expect. And when you were out there with him, was he fishing these? Was he fishing these swim baits? No, so like through the fall, traditionally here, guys are going to be fishing, um, you know, drop shots, Ned rigs, small little jigs, blade baits. Yeah. Um, little swim, like little Kitex and stuff like that. Just there's a couple really good winter spots, fall spots where the smallmouth just stack up and, you know, you can go out there and put together a 20 sack pretty much if you want to. So um, it's hard to kind of, you know, for guys to just pull off and, you know, skunk for three weeks looking for a six pounder yeah 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 so you you get into it what were those first couple of baits did did this guy kind of recommend some baits to you or was just kind of boss the wall i'm swiping my credit card on <laughs> it was a bit of both he i remember one of the best pieces of advice he gave me um and he gave it to me after i bought a couple baits but he was like if you're gonna be doing this like you're like invest in something that's quality um, because you're, you're likely going to wish you did after the fact, um, which was really good advice at the time. So, um, but also being mindful that like, if you don't know if you're going to love it or even be into it, like don't go spend 200 bucks on a bait. Um, so what I did is, you know, with, with some advice and then just definitely watching swim bait universe, um, I bought a ton of stuff over the off season. So I put together like a collection of glides, a collection of wakes, some crank downs, um, a couple rats, some soft baits. Just, I put together a full on, uh, toolbox or of tackle box worth of baits. Yeah. Cover everything. Yeah. Just to prepare myself so that I was ready to go in the spring. Um, and like I had done my research, you know, online as well as the advice of, you know, the locals, um, to kind of get me where I, where I at least felt kind of comfortable. And, you know, there's some things that attracted me more than others. And so you end up kind of gravitating towards that, but. Yeah, that's, uh, did, I mean, did he tell you, did, I mean, did he kind of break it down for what you should look for? Like, okay, uh, in the spring, this is what you want to fish. Or did he just kind of, point you in the right direction and let you make the decisions on, on what you should, you should be spending your money on. Yeah. I mean, it was a bit of both. I think I, I just bought a lot. Like I, for instance, I grabbed just like a S waiver 168, um, that Gancraft glide, probably something just a little bit bigger than the 168, um, depths 175, that storm Arashi. Um, just, so just I grabbed those. beginner stuff. Yeah. Yeah, right. And then like but then also adapts. So it's like I've got, you know, I can bang around with the S waiver a bit and get comfortable with what a glide does and then maybe I'll move up to the next one and just kind of try them out. Um I got really into Toxic right off the bat. I just really um like his brand kind of vibed with me. I I liked the aesthetic that he went with. I liked that his stuff didn't look perfect. Um you know, it really had that garage built look to it. And I don't like it's, that's a compliment, I guess, but it's, it looks yeah, rough. Like grunge. Um, yep. 
grungy, yeah. you know, handmade type type look. And it's the fish, like it's the absolute fishiest stuff I've fished. Um, is his stuff, but so I, I put together, you know, his his wakes and crank downs were definitely a big part of my first year kind of toolbox. Um, there's some great people on on Swimbait Universe that you know I'd buy a couple baits off them and they'd throw something in. So I got like my first crawler just kind of came as a surprise in a box and some soft like uh, wedge tails. Um, oh, and I bought like a, a half dozen huds, right? 68s and some six inches weedless and top hooks just to, just to have everything. Um, yeah, and the plan yeah. was just to fish one bait until I got bit on it and then immediately cut it off and go to the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, just as a way of, of a working through all the baits, but also be kind of getting to learn them a little bit and getting, getting a bit of confidence with each presentation. Do you think when those guys were were just you know tossing in some some different style baits for you without telling you, do you think that was beneficial? Because um, uh, my general thought is, I mean, we we talk a lot, and we you talk about how your area doesn't really have much for swim baits and stuff, and so I'm sure you're ordering a lot of stuff off tackle warehouse and in in just in general like trading with guys and stuff off universe. Has you have you found out it's kind of a turnoff when somebody asks for your address and you send a Canadian address and they're like, oh my gosh, I gotta ship this stuff international through USPS. And have you like have you had anybody kind of back out from from trades or anything because of that, or is everybody pretty pretty easy going yeah. with that? I'd say ninety eight percent of the people are completely comfortable with it. Um, the the few that aren't are just really upfront and like I don't you know cool right like if you're <laughs> you don't want to fill out the customs form. I don't care. Like, it it doesn't matter to me. So, um, no, most guys they all just say like, "Oh, I've never done that before. What do I need to do?" And it's like, well, it's going to cost you about eight dollars extra, and they're going to ask you what's in the box. And if you could mark it gift and under sixty dollars, that'd be greatly appreciated because then they don't charge us duty. Um, yeah. So anybody that's listening, if you ever do a trade or sell to a Canadian, if you could just mark it under sixty dollar value and a gift. That'd be great. Yeah, um, Lassie, the 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 German guy, I had on a couple mm-hmm. months ago. He, him and I, him and I were talking after the show, and he's like, he's like, if you like, if you want to trade stuff, let me know. He's like, it, I'll tell you what to put inside the box. He's like, you got to take it out. You got to take it out of the manufactured box because they will search to see the value. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and then I get charged like backdoor fees for that he's like so if if you're sending me drt baits i don't want the box if i'm sending you drt baits you're not going to get the box he's like it, yeah. it's just it's just a flat out you know 30 dollars surcharge that, that, that they just assume everything is worth and they just send it on their way he's like because if not you get screwed and it's it's not surprising to hear that that shipping stuff between canada and the u.s the same way especially if it's not labeled gift or something because and and with that too like just the pet peeve kind of disclaimer is ship it united states postal service don't ship it ups yeah us so how does Use that the post- work yeah yeah so does does fedex and ups stuff come through the canadian postal service like our usps or do you guys no have- no no so it's a yeah they they're like the private private route and then so they charge um, a fee on top to go through customs, whereas 
the oh, postal geez. service just runs it through and they don't charge you so that's again me just being nitpicky as a, a frugal canadian but uh <laughs> yeah united states postal service 60 dollars or less gift yeah i think i think you and i talked about that a couple of weeks ago actually but kind of getting back to the bait thing so you get these s waivers and the gancrafts and, and the depths and stuff did did you start off with the s waiver was that the first yeah you yeah. Tied on? yeah yeah i figured that would be the the most stereotypical way to go would just be start with the <laughs> s waiver um and i wish i could say that my first fish came fast and that it was amazing but it wasn't it took forever and um it wasn't anything to write home about um it was probably like a i don't know like maybe a big three pound smallmouth and and i was sort of just like i was pretty underwhelmed by the whole thing to be honest with you i was like okay so (laughs) it didn't really smoke it or anything it was just like a crankbait bite it just kind of got soggy and i leaned into it and brought it you know so um but i got to cut it off which was cool after three months of you know skunking on it (laughs) because um you weren't very impressed with glide baits when you first started correct you were kind of like oh this is just whatever like it really i'm still not styles right yeah i'm still not so i think i don't know if it's where i'm fishing them or how i I don't i think it's where i'm fishing them but i i seem to be targeting smallmouth with them um and i'm not getting big bites on them so i'm getting a lot of when I get bit, it's like three pounds, whether it's a large mouth or small mouth. So I'm not, I'm not confident in them. I get bit, but not the fish, not the fish I want. Yeah. And have you, have you tried different glides or have you kind of been using those beginner lot? Like not, okay. Beginner lot. <laughs> I'm saying that as a term, um, meaning like those smaller, those smaller ABS port baits and maybe not yeah. like big resin baits. Yeah. So I, I've, I fished the S waiver, then I went and I really like the Stormarashi for like a, a beginner bait. Um that actually led me to seeking out a Roman made negotiator, which I didn't like, oddly enough. Um the Gancraft I thought was alright. Um I haven't really vibed with any of the depths, but I think if I gave them more time, um, the two fifty and the one seventy five, I think I could probably figure them out better. And then the the one glide that I've settled on now um, is 86 baits Doom Rider. Yeah, and it's um, like I fish really slow. I just I re- like everything I do is slow, um, which probably goes back to my like Ned <laughs> my Ned <laughs> life for six months. Um, and you can just fish that that Doom Rider really slow. Um, it was actually after your episode with um, Brent where he talks about the glides a bunch. And I was like, oh, okay, right? Like then it resonated and I was like, okay. And he kind of inspired me to get back out there and, <laughs> and start tying them on again. Um, just just going back a little bit because I'm curious, what didn't you like about the negotiator? Was it just not your style of glide bait? I It just didn't swim for me. Um, and that... Yeah, I think, again, if I spent more time with it, I probably could have figured it out. Mm-hmm. And it's probably great. But, um, like, just for throwing it out there and being confident that I knew what it was doing when yeah. I couldn't see it, I never really got to that point with it. Um, I will say, um, 
negotiators and mothers, they all swim differently. Uh, I've had three negotiators. I really love the one, but I had to I had to pretty much give it up because it was so beat up. But the other two, I, I sold at two days after having because it just I I don't know what it is. Uh, Roman made CNCs all their baits and stuff, so they they all ideally are identical in in everything, but they all swim differently. The mothers the mothers are really they have a huge difference in in what one swims compared to another, even from like the same quote-unquote batch and color and stuff they all swim completely different like you'll you'll buy four and you'll you'll really like one and the other three you're like eh, I'm, I'm yeah just to find another one i like and that goes with a lot of baits too talking to a friend about that recently and specifically wood bait um you know and you, you might get different densities like tighter yep. grains and you know will that if affect it um and the balance so um, you know, and I guess that's maybe the magic too, where like four are meh, but one is amazing. And that amazing mm-hmm. one is, is simply amazing. Yeah, it's, it's a weird thing, but obviously those, I mean, even, even resin, resin wood baits, it can be so consistent to a point. It's not an ABS bait. It's not literally mm-hmm. a mold, uh, die like it's it's always going to be a little bit different whether you're sanding right. it down a little bit different or the lead there's a little a thumbnail more lead in this one than there is that one there's always going to be a little bit unique from each other which definitely isn't a bad thing but when you find one that you really like and you want to buy it back up it, it might take a couple right. tries to find that one yeah yeah and you fish glides a lot and i think that that's like when you can become sort of a an aficionado or a um where you can notice that difference and appreciate that difference, I think is really, um, that's a neat part of the, the game. Yeah. I, I also, uh, it's, it's weird, not weird. It's odd to hear guys say that they, they fancy fishing glides, not necessarily slow, but kind of like that meander, just super mm-hmm. finesse style swim because, uh, you know, and everybody else who's listened to a lick of the show, they know it like if if I'm fishing any bait, it's super erratic, super herky jerky, HG, Corrado K, just super hard reel pops. And I it it's a shame because I never give that slow, you know, search, head search, hunt, glide, swim. Um, I never give it an opportunity to whereas you might not you might not fish them mm-hmm. super fast. And maybe that might be a difference for you and it, counterintuitive because that might be a big difference for me if i fish it that way and yeah i, I, mean, I don't give that kind of jerkbait style a, a chance even right so like it, it blows my mind that you get bit and have so much confidence doing that but if i were to go out you know for a couple of weeks and really fish a few different baits that way and figure it out um to develop that skill i think like it's obviously effective yeah is there any personal reason that personal reason other than that's how you that's how you like conventional fish that you, that you like to fish your glide baits a little bit slower? I think I fish everything um, slower, and I I what oh, unquote slower, yeah, yeah. Like I just um, I've heard and like that. So in more pressured bodies of water, you're you're likely going to lean more on a reaction bite. Um, because these fish aren't gonna they're, yeah. they've they've stared at baits their entire life and they're like okay cool another spinner bait i've seen it but if you can just throw something in their face and trigger them 
you might get a bite. Um, the fish that I think the fish that I'm targeting in my lakes, I don't think they're pressured that way. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think I can get away with a slower presentation that keeps it in the strike zone, quote unquote, longer that, um, whereas your fish are, are kind of keyed in on being more curious, like, Oh my gosh, what is that thing? You know, yeah. just crawling on top of the water relative to, Oh, that thing just ripped right past my face. I need to go eat that thing because it's right there. And uh, I like, I, I want to like disclaimer that all of this, like so much of this could just be my own bias that I picked up because <laughs> I had success once. And then I developed success multiple times doing it. that. And now I just think it's the truth, right? Like I, so like it's all just based on my limited experience, but I believe that, um, for instance, the fish in our lakes, I think they know <laughs> that a, f- a frog bait, like a hollow bodied frog will splash down. It'll sit there for a second and then it'll walk back offshore. And they know this because they've seen it a thousand times, mm-hmm. but if the bait gets thrown out there into the pocket, it just sits, it confuses them. And they're like, it's not moving. It's an angler makes it move. This is this one isn't moving. I'm gonna eat it because it's not moving. And it you have to kind of wait them out. Um, and I think that's with all all presentations here is if you go slow enough, they just get curious enough, and then they either just like kiss it and catch a hook, or they you know they smoke it and and catch them all. <laughs> right. You just you just made me kind of think full circle here. A lot of guys here. Um, I mean, even relating it back to you, they're they're into bass fishing. Maybe it's not something that they do all the time or they do it super hardcore. So a lot of guys here are fishing Ned rigs or or fishing tubes or even just fishing live bait on the bottom. And like we talked about, that stuff is is pretty slow moving, very, very finesse approach. Whereas power fishing them with with a jerk bait or a, a jerk bait style glide bait. I I think I've had more success with that than when those guys are going off Ned rigs and stuff. And going back to your pressured thing um i i what you said is like i can relate that here like those fish are are used to a and b and when they see something like c and d they're like oh my gosh like this is i i've never seen this before like this is so much more interesting than watching this this you know shiner get dragged by a two ounce weight (laughs) past me (laughs) yeah well and i i got to witness that firsthand because i fished that ned from september to january and and no joke, I fished it like in an area the size of, you know, like over the, the span of an acre. Yeah. Um, so like I showed that every fish on that spot throughout that whole winter, that Ned, um, and I just watched the bite drop off. Yeah, you know, that's that's probably honestly what has happened to my fish, not saying that they've completely shut off here, but um I, I was talking to somebody, he was a mass guy, and he was talking about how their their wake bait bite in one of his spots, he's he's seen a, a pretty steep decrease in, in the fish they're catching and even the size mm-hmm. of the fish. And he's like, mm-hmm. he's like, everybody, I mean, people say fish are smart, people say fish are stupid, but when they see the same thing, you know, plopping on the water for three hours, five nights out of the week, they're going to be pretty cautious eating it one of those nights like they they, yeah. they kind of know something's up and i mean that goes with a freaking turd worm dragging across the bottom or 
you know, this white six inch looking shad bait above me. Like it's, I've seen this before. I've, I've seen it the last three days in a row. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think I'm just going to not eat it because I've, I've seen this thing swim past me seven times today already. And yeah, I, I think I'm not going to take my chances with it. Well, and that's like that, that goes through my head so much. Um, I live on an Island. I live on a small Island and further to that, I live on the, a peninsula on that Island where the Pacific ocean is never more than five minutes away from me. Like in every direction, if I were to drive about five, 10 minutes, Middle I'd hit the, the Pacific ocean. That's so um, and then I've got two lakes combined for maybe 300 acres that really have the fish that I want. So on both those lakes, let's say there's that I feel good on maybe 12 to 20 spots that I'll go fish. Like I, I fish a lot. So I'm showing these fish a lot of the same thing over and over again. And, you know, I'll mix it up as much as I can. And, you know, but I, I don't know how long this is going to last. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm kind of just taking advantage of it while I can. Um, either I'm going to completely kill it or my shoulders are going to blow out and <laughs> it won't matter. <laughs> Um, th this was, this was a kind of something I wanted to get into, but before, before we dive into that, because that's like a really big topic I want to cover is, is the water you're fishing. So when you finally started to get, and in this, this will lead us into that, uh, at some point in time here soon, when, when you started getting comfortable with swim baits and stuff and, and you, you got the toxic and everything. So was this spring your first spring of fishing swim baits? No, so so twenty twenty one, um, I I don't fish swim baits exclusively. I'll just say that to begin with. But in twenty twenty one was my first year fishing bass, like my first full year, and it was the I'd say first six months up until like July, um, I fished predominantly swim baits. And okay. I went through, like, I had my pegboard up on my, in my workshop. I had, you know, all the baits that I had collected over the off-season, quote-unquote, um, off-season, hanging up on the wall. And I would grab either two or three of them. You know, I'd grab the S-Waver and two, you know, the Gancraft and the Arashi. And I'd mm -hmm. go to the lake, and I'd tie on the S-Waver, and I'd have the other two there just in case. Um, and that went on until... Um, that went on until about July, and then I completely lost the big bite for myself. Like, I had a cool thing going on for smallmouth that was really fun, and I lost that. And I don't, I think what happened, well, regardless of what happened, I ended up finding a different bite on, on spinning gear and then just ran that into the ground uh, for the rest of the year. So that was 2021, essentially. Um, this year has been, um basically all swim baits yeah yeah like i haven't prior oh prior yeah. to to this spring um i you don't have to talk about the baits you caught fish on anybody can go look at that if they wanted to but you don't need to air that out here prior to this year the baits you did good on this season these i mean this this year did you fish those at all last year or was that kind of more baits you bought in the off season and not necessarily you lucked into the bite, but you got, you got the right tools for, for what you saw the year before. Um, 
No, everything I, I everything I've fished this year, I figured out last year. Um, okay. Yeah. So the I'd say like Tiny Clash is is a big player in my in my tackle box. Um, toxic for their wakes, the Trucha and the Wade. The Wade is new for me this year, but I I mean it's I, I don't care. It's toxic. It's gonna catch fish. <laughs> um, and I had a ton of love for the the mini trucha so it was easy just to to grab a wade and it it's like his his stuff is ridiculous i don't even i don't even need to say anything about that but um and then citizens i had fished a bit last year and got a little bit of confidence on not much um but really that's been like this year's my main players have been you know tks canines and then toxic wakes um and that was all built off of last year's confidence. Yeah. So when you got that the the mini trucha uh, and you and you fished it this spring, did you have an idea of how you wanted to implicate it in your spots, or was it just kind of not necessarily fell into your lap, but but you pieced it together throughout spring and and you caught what did you catch an eight this spring on the trucha? Is that what you caught? No, I got a I think a seven. Seven, or seven yeah. three. Um, so actually, the mini trucha is probably. I think it's a good a good bait to talk about. Um, it was the first bait that I bought retail um, in the spring of 2021 or winter of 2020. In that time, um, really early on, and so got that order, and he's like, "Who is buying a bait in Canada? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> directly north of me. Who is buying this bait?" Well, and I, I went and I, you know, I watched his swim videos that he has and I watched the mini Trucha one and I was just like, that's ridiculous. Like that thing just swims. It swims. It's a fish. Um, so I wanted it. And as soon as one came up on a drop, I bought it and I was stoked. And once it, like I, I set it back in the rotation of baits that I was going to fish in this, in 2021. So I would work myself through some glides first and then. And then I think it came up. <laughs> yeah. So like then the tr- mini Chuja came up and so I was out there, I had that tied on and I'm trying to get bit on it. I'm trying to get bit on it. And this very particular weather pattern uh, slid in during, I'd say it was pre-spawn um, patterns. And this really just like very, very distinct weather pattern. And I was out there with a buddy and I think I just, I was like, I wonder how slow I can fish it. Like, I wonder how slow I can reel it in and still get it to swim. Um, so I'm doing this and I'm just, just creeping the thing and it gets rolled on by something big. And at this point, I had never caught a big fish. Um, like, I'd caught a five pound smallmouth, but not, no largemouth. No, seven pound largemouth. So, yeah. Um, something rolled on it. And I was like, oh shit. Okay. Like, so this, that works. That, they like that. So, you know, another bomb cast and just slow rolling it in and probably spent maybe another 15, 20 minutes in that spot and got smoked by like a six pound, seven ounce um, largemouth. And it was my first swim bait caliber fish. It was the first one that I felt like I actually figured out, you know, like, like okay, apart. I noticed. Yeah. Um, so that mini trucha immediately, like, I, I have to admit, I didn't cut it off. I kept fishing it. Um, 
and I put on like a six, three, a five pound small mouth. And then I was like, okay, I got to cut this off or else I'm just going to fish it all year. Um, this thing is ridiculous. So I had a lot of confidence in the mini Trucha coming into 2022. You were, you were talking about fishing your glide super slow. And like we just touched on, that's not really my jam of fishing stuff slow. And I wonder if that's why, uh, I, I've talked about it quite a bit recently that I just I just don't have any confidence in wake baits is it might just be because I fish them too fast. Like I feel like I'm fishing them super, super slow, but I, I guess walk us walk us through how you're fishing it. We're, what, what was the real cadence and stuff? Or was it it's just, just as slow as like as slow as you can go. I mean, it sounds stupid, but like just as slow as you can go. Um, you can see the bait or anything. Let me pause if you want. Um, you should be going so slow that it doesn't even matter if you pause, right? Like they'll chase it down. Yeah, yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're not going to chase it. Like guys pause because they're probably reeling too fast and they need to let the bait sit there for a couple minutes, and and that's why they're getting bit is because they're reeling too fast. Mm-hmm. So the pause is why it gets bit. Um, yeah, that's my only advice with with wakes so it's just slow <laughs> slow down slow but yeah. so, so you catch this seven seven three whatever it is off the top of your head how much how much longer was that uh that you know just prime weather pattern that pre-spawn pattern for the mini trucher bite you were on did that last for quite a bit or was it just a short window that you're not necessarily lucked into but you you figured out what they wanted in a short amount of time um yeah so like i was able to use that bait in different situations um which was nice like you can you know if you bump it up against the stump or um you know run it along a bank or something like you'll get that but there's like there's a, a weather it's very like it's not even um you know it's it's a two or three hour window where it'll it'll happen where it's the very oh. distinct weather so mm-hmm. when that happens, like I'll have friends, my buddy Jason will shoot me a text and I'll be like, dude, it's crucial time. You know, and I'll be like on the way to the lake. I'm like, I know it's tied on. Like I'm going. <laughs> so I'm yeah, yeah, I got buddies looking out for me, ready to do, do these buddies dabble in swim baits at all? Or are they just, they just like the crazy man named Steven Clipper do that. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's a few guys locally that do for sure. Um, you know, some more than others. And, um, and then the mainland, like, so the mainland of British Columbia, there's a few more dudes. Okay. Um, then there's probably like a handful of guys too, that do it and just don't, you know, that don't talk about it. Right. Yeah. I got to imagine, especially you touched on being on a small, you know, peninsula Island, words got to travel around pretty quick on, on how the fishing is or, if you catch a really decent fish of a good caliber, words got to travel around pretty damn quick. Oh yeah. 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 Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I know we, we've, we've, you and I have talked about that and uh, it's, it's crazy to think that, that that's how it is up there because down here it's like, I mean, I'm sure your, your Island is probably like the size of my County and I couldn't even tell you what guys are catching 10 miles downstream from where I am just because not necessarily that it's irrelevant, but there's so many guys and uh, it's just, it's not a niche thing 
Whereas up there, I mean, you you just said there's only a couple lakes on your island, and I mean, if one person sees you, that one person knows the the 15 other people that fish in the area. So they just just text the group chat, and everybody's like, "Oh, okay, he's catching fish here." Well, that that's what we're gonna go do then today or tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, and like oh, there's there's more than the two lakes, but there's two lakes that hold the the fish that I'm after. So like right. there's two lakes that I target. Um, there's probably another like six or seven smaller lakes um, or like in one bigger lake on the island, but they're, you know, they're just either they're further away from me where I, it's not worth the drive for the fish that mm-hmm. they hold um, or they just don't hold big fish. So I'm not going to go there, but um, yeah. And like, because we're surrounded by the Pacific ocean, like obviously and salmon fishing is huge here, right? Like it's world-class salmon fishing. Um that that culture really prevails um so even a lot of the guys that do fish um bass in the spring Mm -hmm. they won't they won't be on the lakes when the salmon are running through because why right like yeah yeah you can can eat a bass but you can catch one salmon and and, and have a whole lot more (laughs) a whole lot more of a meal plus i mean guys guys like fish that pull and i'm I've only caught fresh running salmon, but I can't imagine a, a saltwater salmon doesn't pull very hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, it's a good culture here where there's not, the guys aren't eating bass really at all. Mm-hmm. Like there's some bank beaters that will eat them, I'm sure. But, um, it's not but yeah, over, like, over eight or anything. No, 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 no. They're, they're anglers, right? Like there's the, the people that fish here are sticks cause they, that's what they do. They're just chasing yeah. the best bite. Um, wherever it may be, whether it's steelhead or it's the salmon. Right. Or, yeah. I was just about to say bass is just the filler between salmon and steelhead season. <laughs> totally, totally, right? And they and they catch it perfectly because they catch them during pre-spawn and they just, they know how to fish and they just come out and smoke them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you, you get on the mini trucha bite and does that kind of slow down when when they are pushing up and fanning beds and stuff or did you catch them? Okay, did you... Did you catch them while they were like fanning beds and stuff and not necessarily mean to? It was just kind of a reaction bite for them? Or do you kind of pull off a little bit and maybe maybe take a week or two off while they're bedding and, and let them do their thing? Oh, no, no. Yeah, and all fish throughout the whole thing. I think where the trucha will, like any wake bait, will probably shine is fishing more offshore structures. Because um, like if the dudes are up shallow prepping the beds and the girls are sitting out deeper you know getting ready um if you can throw something over their head i think you'll get you know you can get their attention that way so i wouldn't i wouldn't try and pull them off a of bed with with the trucha i think there's, you know if that's going to be your your jam then i think there's probably a better bait to do that with um, right yeah i i think I think you're exactly right. When when those males are pushed up and fanning, those those females are just kind of sitting out there, you know, eating eating whatever they can. And I feel like that that's honestly probably what like four days before they push all the way up and and, and sit on the bed. I feel like that is when you can catch that fish rather than catching it in the summer and it being a seven. You're like, oh, this, this yeah. Has a- of a, this has a head of a nine or a ten and that's like that three-day period before they push up that is when you're going to catch that fish at its biggest stage 
Uh, yeah, you're either going to catch them coming or going, right? Like, yeah, it's either going to have have dropped its eggs or still hold them. So, yeah, and so after after the females males push off, they get done bumping the fuzz on the beds. <laughs> do you um do you kind of switch gears a little bit? Do you do you um maybe target them a little bit deeper offshore, or do you just kind of keep keep rolling that wake until till you know it gets a little bit later in summer? Yeah. Um... So this this year, taking taking kind of what I knew and and had confidence in, really, I just jumped on as soon as I could. I jumped on a wake bite, and um, essentially, I didn't really get off it. Um, and that's, I mean, I'm I think I left fish that I could have caught if I had you know presented them something different. But um, no, basically, once you know, I think in in my main lake at least my home lake, which I just fished solely last year, 2021 was the only lake I fished. Um, I think it, it sets up better for a top water bite. So that's just what I, what I do there for the most part, mm-hmm. um, regardless of, of really the time of year and the, the pattern that they're in. Uh, have, did you see any difference from fishing that home lake relative to the other lake you enjoy? Like, did those fish on that home lake kind of get conditioned with seeing big baits, or is the fishing just lights out in both? And did it not really affect what from what you've seen? It's it's interesting. They're they're five minutes apart. They're essentially there's a hill that separates them. That, <laughs> um, yeah, you could cast over it almost. Um, really, they're going to be the same strain of largemouth because they would have been brought over, you know, in the same five gallon bucket. Right. Um, they're, but they're so different. They fish so differently. Um, and yeah. And they, are like they the like small... relative, are they relative same depth and kind of lake set up more or less the same? No, no. So my main lake, my home lake is, a, it's two lakes joined together. Um, one's just a big basin, essentially. People call it a big bowl. So that's, you know, cutting it, you know, not telling the full story. Um, the the sister lake that's attached to it is a shallower sort of bowl, um, but then they're they're tied together with this transition area that's you know the sort of the shallow spawning area. That's my main lake. The and there's no docks on it. There's one. Um, it it's deep. Hits maybe forty fifty feet in its deepest. But I'd say the best fishing is um, you know from shore to twenty feet throughout most of the year. Um, the other lake is it's docks, a lot of docks, um, similar depth, um, but doesn't have that same distinct shallow spawning area. So it, it maybe gets a little bit more neglected during the spawn because it's not, Mm -hmm. um, as distinct of an area to go fish. But, uh, yeah, those are the two. So I, I, kind of interrupted you when you were talking about uh what were you talking about we we're talking about something about your main lake as far as like may- maybe how the fishing mm, oh out. yeah the different so yeah so the docked lake um my main lake saying top water was was really what it set oh. up for i felt um yeah and this this year i you know switching to the other lake figuring out um a crank down bite there was really and a glide bite actually 
um, and gaining confidence in both those presentations on that lake, I think was really interesting to, to see um, that there was a different, almost a different appetite. Yeah. I, I, I don't fish enough of like similar lakes that are close to each other, but as far as like the rivers go, I don't really fish any sections that are too much alike, like the other. Well, that's a lie. I fish the spillway right by the apartment and then the spillway up by my work, which is like, you know, four miles by the crow flies. And mm -hmm. they set up more or less this more or less the same, but I can catch a smallmouth on command down here, but up there, like it's like those fish don't even push up. It's it's weird. I mean, I I know that they're completely different and I know I honestly don't know any lakes around here that that set up the same way or are even close enough. Like everything down here is like super spread out. You're always I mean in Michigan I think it's like you're like three miles from water. But it's it's hard to find a spot that's like a carbon copy mm -hmm. that's close enough to to rel relative to kind of transfer a bite, which not not necessarily even transfer a bite, but kind of have those fish on the same chapter. Like you'll go to one lake and they'll be spawning, and you'll go to another lake two weeks later and they're just now pushing up, and like they're relatively the same size, same depth. It's just I don't know. Their fish are fucking weird. That's just all there yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the best part about it all. Um, yeah, makes it not fun. boring yeah <laughs> so your your tk bite and canine bite was this on your second your second lake your non non main lake no no this yeah same thing as is i got into fishing both those baits last year um on on my home lake and kind of figuring them out and gaining a lot of confidence in them and i just carried that forward this year was really like i downsized so it was you know, I got rid of all those glides and I just have a doom rider now. And I got rid of all my toxics and I just have a wade and a trucha now. Like I had the, um, the mink, the whippersnapper, uh, wake and crank. Um, you have the chungus. I didn't, I had the slob stopper. Um, okay. I tried to okay. get the chungus, but I just never got around to it. I think but, so. Um, I, yeah, I just got rid of it all. And I just really went down to, you know, essentially what I can throw into a wrap and, you know, toss into the boat and go and just be confident that I can go catch a fish. It's, it's funny that you say that because you talk about not having uh, a, a huge plethora of baits. And I think that's how it goes with a lot of guys is they, they buy a whole bunch of shit, they figure out what works and then they, they downsize like a lot. They, they really, Know, take it to that simple simplicity i need i need these six baits these six baits cover every bite that i i've found mm -hmm. in the last two or three years and i don't need to be holding on to all this other stuff like there's guys out there who have pegboards of baits and baits and baits and they'll never fish it because they've never found a bite of it before but still want to hold on to it and i don't know i mean everybody people collect shoes and never wear <laughs> do whatever you want yeah. but i feel like if I'm going to take up room in my apartment or in my, in my, you know, 3,700 deep or something, I, it needs to have a reason to be in here. Cause I'm, I'm not, I'm not a freeloader. I'm not, I'm not letting these baits hitch a ride with me for two years to never for be fished. Sure. For sure. Yeah. And I, I think I would, uh, I'd agree, but then there's also the, you know, it's like, 
but then what about a big, you know, big wooden rat, right? Like you got to have a big wooden rat and then like, and you got to have a crawler too, right? So then you got to crawl and you got a rat and you got to, you know, so then you also got to get, you know, so I can see also where it gets, you know, you can fall down that rabbit hole of, of necessity um, that isn't really there, but. Well, I will say it's, it's a really easy when you have no confidence in like a certain bait, like if you don't have any confidence in a wake bait <laughs> like me, you own one wake bait, a two-faced gill, and and you call it good because because it gets fished like once every three months, and it just it that's a bait I don't mind carrying around. Like I'll I'll carry stuff around, but as far as like you know, seventy-five baits, ah, no, I'm okay with that. If I if I have like fifteen baits and and they all have a place and I can replicate what I'm seeing on the water, then I'm happy with that. Yeah, you know, seventy five hundred baits. No thanks. That's just too much. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think I just have to get better at um, having backups. You know, having two or three or four or five of certain things, so that um, I'm not left scrambling and and like I don't like paying a premium for something just because I need it. I'd rather like, have a few backups. Like, like all the DRT stuff you bought a couple months ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wish I could say that a lot of that was left, but uh, I think <laughs> there's just all... there's just some baits that I mean I don't know call it fate call it whatever you want but if it's a bait you like dude I swear you just you just burn through them like you you're either I don't know it's it's so weird to think about but uh, like I I really love the taxi and I've gone through like thirteen of them. Jeez. Why? Because I cast them off, or you know, it's just I'd lose them. It's just lose them isn't like physically lose them. I'd set them down. I don't know where the hell. Like I'd set them on a rock, and then they'd fall into the rip and wrap, and I would just lose them. But it's like, I mean, I don't know. And then like going back to what we said earlier, obviously not maybe with the DRT stuff, but you you, you have a mini church and you and you the swim on it's just mint, and then you get another one. You're like, oh my gosh, this one doesn't swim exactly like the other one. Like. I have no confidence in this thing. It's like once you find a bait you like, like you have to protect that thing. You, I mean, if it's a bait you like, you're retying it every 30 minutes to an hour. Like you're taking yeah. all the necessary precautions with it. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Like with the, I've got the mini chuchu that I like. Shooting at the eagles <laughs> that are trying to pick up your TRTs. <laughs> yeah. But with the, uh, with the full size chuchu, which isn't that much bigger, I just can't. I can't get the same confidence with it. And it's got this, the tail just when I'm watching it, it, you know, it deeks a little left every mm -hmm. time. And, and I don't think that makes a difference to the fish, but it does to me. Exactly. Um, and I, I don't know, for whatever reason, I just can't get bit on it. And I think that's, it has more to do with my confidence in it getting bit than it does the fish. Oh, dude, a hundred percent K, <clears throat> excuse me, K9. I have, no confidence in the k9 like it's not that i don't i mean i'll i'll fish any any length bait i don't have a problem with the length it's just like something mentally that i'm like why why would i fish the k9 when i know i can catch good fish on the tk like that's silly mm. and confidence can be awesome but it can also be a major downfall like you said like the the trucha i mean who knows maybe maybe you'd had a, you had a nine pounder following it one day, but, but you, you were like, well, this thing looks like shit. And so you cut it off yeah, and, and fish another it off. And like, yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't know, dude, like confidence is awesome. Don't get me wrong. If you have confidence, you're, you're going to fish something a lot more efficiently. You're going to 
you're gonna you're gonna feel good fishing it but when you tie something on and you're like oh my gosh like this doesn't even feel right like i'm fishing it, it in my eyes it looks off whether that just be like color or something like if you don't have confidence in something you i feel like the fish know they're not gonna fucking eat if you don't have confidence and like you just gotta fake it until you make it i feel like yeah no, i agree 100 percent. um when when you're fishing the tk and the k9 are you cranking these are you cranking them down or how, how do you go about fishing these after the church and stuff yeah everything is um well on, on my main lake everything has really been top water so i fish them really slow and and on top um i fish the tk more in tight and mm. putting it in places like if i need to be exact right if i really need to be um surgical then then i'll go with the tk and if i have a little bit more liberty with with my presentation and maybe a bigger a, a bigger area that i'm fishing like a flat or a you know over a big lay down or something something that's I'll, more general yeah yeah that i'm going to try and draw a fish out or two then i'll i'll use the canine um but if i feel like i know where the fish is and i know that i need to get you know, within inches of a rock or inches of a, a dock piling, then I'll, I'll, I don't like mashing my canine into rocks. <laughs> so I'll go with the PK. Do you have, do you have more confidence in one or the other, or would you rather fish one or the other, whether it be like, uh, like, like, like you just touched on the canine, oh, excuse me, the canine may have more drawing power, or is it just, whatever the scenario is, that's what you're going to fish and, and, and the fish are going to like it because you say so. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I mean, if I could have two rods on deck, then I'd put them both on deck. But if I was just being like, if I had to just take one with me, I'd take the TK just because I feel like it's more versatile. It is more versatile um, for the way I fish. So yeah, but I, I, I see them as two different, baits not just one not just a bigger version of of the other yeah how so i know there's a couple ways well okay i'm gonna say that the only way i know to wake the tk and this is probably gonna sound stupid if nobody knows about it you take the deep lip and you put it backwards mm -hmm. is that how you do it or do you like the shallow lip and just a slow reel no, so I would I do no lip. Um, okay. No lip so it's, it's like a surface glide thing or something. Pardon me. Uh, I was about to say, I, I was, is that tail up or tail down? Um, dude, it's so confusing. Like mode yeah, so A, mode tail, B, like they need like, to have better better names. Mode B, so the tail's down, it's smooth side up. Mm -hmm. Um. Okay. It's like the it's like the most basic, most general, most if you're gonna ask. Like, if you ask SBU, like, what, how should I fish my TK? Everybody's like, lip out mode B, right? Um, but just as slow as possible so that it swims, but it doesn't break surface. So, like, no, no split ring on the nose because that noses it down and as light of hooks as you can get away with. And just fish it slow. And I fish my canine the same way. Um, so I, I don't consider it like a wake, mm -hmm. but it, it's a surface glide, but it wakes, right? Like it's, it's a wakey presentation. Yeah. And are, I, I would assume you're fishing that 
pretty slow relative to to how you fish the trucha and stuff yeah yeah they're both about the same like it's just slow slow um the high float with the deep lift backwards and like a v-tail is a ridiculous wake bait um like you can burn it um which i would love to get bit burning it but i never do so i don't <laughs> um but you can also like the walking on that's cool when you got that lip in um or even just the high float with a v-tail no lip um is a really good top water presentation as well have oh what was i gonna say um oh have you messed with the joker at all yeah actually it was one of the baits that i first um i bought it off jake detex um and at some point during 2021 um bought this like big gnarly purple one off him with like it had black pink and black stripes on the top and rattles in it oh it's just super gnarly um yeah the joker's cool too it gets bit um i've i don't throw it anymore i'd say Mm -hmm. like i'm um i found other wake baits that that i prefer yeah yeah um but it's a really good it's a really good wake bait that was uh I remember posting something about shit talking the Joker, and you're like, "Hey, dude, that's a good bait." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've I've never had problems getting bit on it. Um, never any like huge fish, but mm-hmm. it gets bit. Right, and it's good because like that... it doesn't. You can pitch it in, and because of its um, like it's a very wide build to it, so it displaces a lot of water when it lands, so it doesn't sink down. And because it's ABS as well, like, it's it's quite light. So if you're fishing really shallow grass, you can like whereas if you throw in a wade, right? Like wade hog, it like it lands and it goes in and it's like makes a big sploosh and it'll pick right. up grass. Whereas mm-hmm. you can get a joker to like just sit on the surface and, and not pick up grass. Yeah. That was that was another thing I was gonna ask you is have you dabbled with the transfer tail on the TK or K9 at all? Because I think that if if you do it tail down smooth side up so mode b same as the the oem standard tail i'm pretty sure that it has a gnarly wake to it i know it has a gnarly crank down and i don't i don't see any reason why it wouldn't wake just the same yeah i've as soon as i got my hands on a transfer tail um that's what all what i put on so either the v tail or the the transfer is what i I prefer I'll also say, do you dead walk your TK at all? Or is it just, I mean, I know you said it. Is it just strictly a wake bait, a topwater glide bait for you? I've, so since I've, like with this year moving to this other lake um, and fishing it more and getting more confidence in a subsurface presentation, um, you know, I I have been throwing, throwing them more lipped and throwing them more and like walking them down and doing the dead slow. Um, I have to admit, like walking any bait, I think I've been bit like twice, um, like on a hard walk. So I don't, it's just not, not something I'm keen on. That's crazy because I mean, here, uh, I'm going to say Northern, even though you're, even though you're more Northern than anybody, (laughs) anybody else I know, we'll say Midwest, Northern Midwest, like dead walking is 
is like a staple of TK fishing. I mean, Phoenix does it. I do it. And I'm sure there's, you know, everybody else who fishes a TK in that early season does it. And to hear a guy say that, uh, that he maybe doesn't necessarily do it much is so crazy because it just, dude, it, it's, I don't know what it is. It doesn't look like anything special in the water, but those cold water fish, they just, when that water hits like 42 degrees, they just lose their mind for that thing. It's, it's crazy. It's literally a fish well, magnet, I swear. I'll have to watch, you know, I'll, I'll look up some videos or, or just send me a video of you doing it or Phoenix or something. And like, I'm up for trying it. Um, those baits are crazy. They can do all kinds of crazy stuff. And I know mm-hmm. that, I know they get bit doing almost anything. So it doesn't surprise me, but it's, I don't know, either I haven't tried it enough or <laughs> yeah, just the fish. No, I don't think I'm going to get bit. So they don't bite. Right. It's, it's like, I mean, it goes with, it, I mean, it, it's literally like a glide bait. Like some guys, some guys, as in most guys, like Phoenix and Jeffrey down in Arizona and everybody, they fish theirs a certain way. And I remember watching one of Phoenix's videos after I caught a bunch of fish on, or maybe I was on the phone with Phoenix or something, and I sent him a video of me fishing mine, and he's like, dude, you're you're doing that super fast. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was like, oh. Like, he's like, I don't do, I do it like half that speed. And I'm like, oh, I've caught a lot of fish doing it this way. And so like, I mean, like you talked about, it's a bait that can do like DRT baits can do so much different stuff. And I mean, if, if you find something that works for you, don't change it because it's obviously working for a reason. Yeah. And I, I think that, <clears throat> and I'm not suggesting, but like catching a lot of fish versus catching the right fish. Right, yeah. Um, and I think like I think in my lakes I could get bit more if I if I chased a reaction bite. Um because I think I could get those little ones just all like crazy fired up. But I don't I don't right. I don't get the ones that I want when I do that. So I wondered I wonder too if like you know, if, if Phoenix, for instance, has has picked up that like you know, yeah, I can like really bang this hard and I can get bit, but if I am able to present it in a slower way, I'm going to get the ones I want to bite. Yeah. And I mean, I caught, I caught the five and I mean, I had almost 15 with three in this right way. And it's like, it's like, maybe if I did fish it, you know, well, yeah, but like 18 for one, three, what do you, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe if I fished it, uh, one one rod pump compared to my five I was doing it and really toned it down. Like you said, may- maybe I would have went eighteen for three, but it's also like I, I'm having if I, if I'm having success doing it this way, like it's, yeah, it's it's really hard to to break that habit. Like that's why I have such a hard habit to to like really slow down when I'm fishing. And it's like it's like well, why do I want to do that? Like I've caught this i caught this fish last week fishing it this way so why don't i just you know make these fish eat it this way right now and and that's that's a huge downfall to my style of fishing is it's hard for me to yeah to but you're getting bit in the funnest way possible right like yeah exactly when, when i talk about like i want so badly to find fish that will eat my wake bait when i'm burning it back to the boat right like i want them to stop that bait in its tracks i think that would be the best bite ever but my fish don't do that. So <laughs> I have to sit there and like, listen for them to, to slurp it up. Cause they're just going to kiss it. And like, it's fun. <laughs> don't get me wrong, but 
you know, I would love to be on a, on a really red hot reaction bite. Is if, if, if you could pick any dream bite for any scenario, is that what you would pick is like a super fast wake reaction bike? Yeah, I think probably like dream bite that TK high deep lip backwards V tail because it's light and you just like bomb it out on a fairly light rod and, and just burn it back and then just get stopped and your rod just goes like, and that'd be the best. <laughs> Yeah. You know, you know, uh, that Leviathan brand makes a kick-ass little light uh, TK rod. But anyway, <laughs> just a little shame. Insert ad here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I think if if I could pick any bite, it would be like burning swimmers, whether it be bull shad or or, uh, or triple trouts or anything like over grass flats. Like, I don't know. I've seen how many videos of that over the last couple of years and. I hear all these guys talk about it and that's nothing I've gotten to experience. Like you have an mm-hmm. HG reel and you're, you're, I mean, you're burning this bait as fast as you can and you stop it and you count to two and boom, you, sw- you sweep into a fish because they just, yeah. they're just like that killer instinct into a bite. Like that is something I would, I would do a lot of dirty things for a bite like that because it just sounds yeah. like so much fun. For sure. For sure. And that's a, like, it's weird. Cause those are two baits that I had that I never got bit on. It's like a bullshad and triple trout and doing what i'm supposed to be doing with them like burning them over grass flats mm-hmm. and just my fish i couldn't get them to to trip on it so you know i moved them along and i just focused on other things right it's something i never have done but i think back at home i could probably catch fish doing it but it wouldn't be to it wouldn't be to the chime of burning it as fast as i could like i could really relatively fast and i'd probably have to make it shorter stop and start goes like they're not going to mm-hmm. shake you know, 10 yards before they eat it like they do like these guys talk about down south but that that's something that i've i would like i said i'd do a lot of stuff for but anyway <laughs> um <laughs> so i mean really full circle here getting back to to like tk bite and stuff recently you, you i mean you've caught a lot of decent fish uh has it mostly been, you know, the citizens and, and battle shads and stuff that that's doing a lot of your heavy lifting in, in um, this later part of the year? This year's been, it's been a, a healthy mix. I was looking at it the other day just to kind of get a, you know, get a sense at the year end where my, where my bites fell. And um, I'd say TK was definitely the heavy hitter. Um. I did really like for average weight per fish. The citizen is right up there. Like I haven't caught a small fish on it. A couple nice six pound large mouth, um, five pound small mouth. So like really kicking quality fish. Um, canines played okay in the spring. True chip put up some sevens. Wade's put up a seven. Um, I mean, even a Ned eight and a half pound largemouth on a Ned. Um, I know this isn't a Ned podcast, but um, <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> Ned like, um, yeah, so it's, it's been spread out fairly, fairly even like five on a crawler, five eleven or something. So I've, I've been happy with, with sort of my, you know, my selection of baits and, and being able to apply them when they're most applicable or when they're useful. Yeah, is so knowing what you know now, 
how many baits, if you just had to take a shot in the dark, how many baits are out there that you think could replicate what you're doing now? Maybe, maybe not necessarily better, but just as good. Like if, if you couldn't say you're in Canada and you couldn't get your hands on, on DRT stuff, like what, is there a lot of baits out there that you think you could fill in that little gap yeah. of that glide top water action? Yeah. Yeah. I think, <clears throat> I think we as anglers um, give way too much credit to the bait um and this isn't <laughs> dear all bait makers you guys are awesome and throwing shade at everybody <laughs> yeah dear yeah all you bait makers you know like yes all the fish that i caught i think could have been caught on a hot conventional dog. tackle <laughs> what's that a hot dog exactly a Cheddar hot dog. <laughs> yeah well one of them for sure um yeah, no, I think that you, like, when I, I have very, very limited conventional background, but when I fish, especially a new bait or a new situation, which I've, I'm faced with all the time, like, I'm very often I'm faced with a new situation, I'll be like, what would I do with conventional tackle? What would we, what would I pick? Would I grab a spinner bait, a square bill, a Texas rig? What would I grab? Okay, so if that's what I'm going to grab, then I'm going to grab the swim bait equivalent to that. What can I do with this? That's going to do the same with that. Um, so <laughs> any, any fish I caught, I feel like I could have potentially caught it on a conventional comparable. Now, um, listening to behind the real podcast stuff on YouTube with Jason Flesher and stuff today. And I think I've talked about it a little bit. I, I, I'm I'm also not, you know, a hundred percent swim baits, like ninety-eight percent of the time it's swim baits, but I, I don't turn down the, the chance to catch a fish like flipping or, or jerk baits or anything like that. Is there days where maybe say you go out there and, and you're fishing XYZ swim bait and you're not catching fish, like maybe maybe it's been a week or two since you've been on the water. Is there times where you pick up a conventional and you kind of like, like you were just talking about, like you key in on something and you're like, okay, like now I just, yeah. like, I just caught him on the square build. Now all I got to do is pick up this TK with the medium sized lip and just kind of slow crank it because that's, that's the swim bait equivalent to, to this conventional bait. Or is it mostly just kind of grind your teeth until you figure it out? Because you know that they should be eating this. You just got to figure out how they want it. Yeah, so when I go out, it's I pretty much know ahead of time what I'm going to be doing. Um, I fish online tournaments. Literally this year, I fished online tournaments for a bulk of the season, um, which really dictated what I was going to be throwing because um, they're all swim bait tournaments um, or top water. And then, so in between that, like if I'm going to go fish with a buddy, I'll I'll probably lean on smaller swim baits or or conventional gear and you know if the bite's been hard maybe we'll go to an easy lake and just you know pitch around nets and just smack fish just for fun um but for the most part this year at least it's been very distinctly swim baits and swim baits only and when i have deviated from that i haven't been rewarded so i've i quickly have gone back to big bays and um yeah like last year 
like I said, like in the summer, I lost the big bait bite and jumped on a spinning rod and basically rode that into the winter. Whereas this year, because I was in tournaments and because I was on a big bait bite, I just kept on it and kept on it, kept on it, kept on it. And I was able to maintain the confidence to where I am now. And I'm just like, well, I mean, the year's almost over. I might as well just keep going. So. Yeah. Kind of going back to these tournaments. uh, I mean, if you guys have listened to how long we've been going here for an hour and almost 30 minutes. And if you guys haven't checked out Steven or know of him, you know that he's, like I said earlier, he's caught a lot of very, very, very respectable fish. How how have you done tournament wise this year? Have have you have you won a couple or you know finished top three in a few? Um, it's been good. So the <clears throat> there's it's called forty seven degree fishing on Instagram, um, and he organizes some Pacific Northwest derbies um, online. So it includes BC, which is nice because we're we're often neglected because there's four of us. So, um, there was, he does a spring and a fall typically, and then a summer top water and, uh, yeah, no, much improved over last year. I did a couple of them last year, the top water one, I think, and then the fall swim bait. Um, so this year my, you know, I did uh second place for the spring, which was good. Um, Daryl who, Fishes out of Washington State ended up taking top place in that one. So, as of right now, like when we're recording this, Daryl's episode will be tomorrow, Thursday, the uh, November fourth, and then everybody will hear this Monday, fifth, sixth, Monday the eighth. So, people, okay, yeah, so people people know who Daryl is. Hopefully, yeah, all the shows they will in chronological order. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, people should know who Daryl is. That's about the moral of that story. Um, yeah, so that that derby went well. I think seeing what seeing what the guys down in Washington are doing mm-hmm. really pushed me to like. They showed me more what's possible here than I think what I what I knew, um, because we're so close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, well, if if they're doing that, then why why isn't my lake doing that? And I was like, okay, it's because I suck, so I need to be better. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to be better. And Daryl, Daryl's one of those guys that just pushes you to be better for sure. Now, um, oh, go ahead if, if you're not done. Yeah, yeah, no. And the the summer t- the summer uh, topwater derby went well. I ended up switching to big bay topwaters about halfway through, and that helped seal the deal. I ended up having one of my best, if not the best, uh, days on the water. I pulled like a seven and a big five, and then I had like a dozen other big bites and um, an almost six-pound smallmouth. All three of them ended up in my bag for, I think, the, the derby. So yeah, that's um, pretty that was cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I'd done all right on frogs to begin with, um, but then just called everything on big baits, and I was like, all right, well, I'll just keep doing that. And then we just finished up the um, the fall one, the fall swim bait. Last Derby. Sunday, I think. Two yeah. Ago. Sunday or two ago. That was they they run a month, which um, if you fish, you know, if you grind it out, it's a long time. Yeah. So that went really well. Um, ended up man- managing to take top spot in that one, which was 
um, in no small part to that, like two of the biggest fish that I've caught, two of the biggest fish I've ever um, entered into a turn tournament were caught during that. So um, I'd like to shout out actually 47 degree fishing just for the, like my, the successes that I experienced this year are 110% attributable to the fact that they organize these derbies because I'm a competitive person but I don't want to go catch five fish because I'm not going to go catch five fish. So give me a swim bait derby and I'm in and I'm not going to win them all, but I'm going to try my best. And, and that usually ends up putting big fish in the boat. So big thanks to, to them for what they do. And it's cool because I mean, geologically, I don't know what the quote unquote P and W is considered, but I mean, you, you've met, and you met Daryl, you, you know Frank, you know Brent, you know Brian, like you know these guys in in the PNW. Do you think that you I'm I'm sure you'd probably know of them and know who they are without these tournaments, but have you kinda I mean, especially Daryl, like have you kinda like been able to talk to him because of these tournaments and, and get to get to be friends with him that way? Or do you think it would have happened either way? I think it it, it very likely could have happened either way. Um, like Frank doesn't do the derbies, um, mm. you know, a lot of your guests, man, like are the guys that I talk to. It's a really, really, really inclusive, um, community, really welcoming community of anglers, which is, I don't know, probably weird for a lot of people to hear. Yeah. I was just about um, to say weird to say. <laughs> weird yeah, to- no, but like everybody that you've had on, I think are dudes that I've talked to or that like. I'll slide into their DMs and be like, hey man, that's a rad fish. And and they're like, you too, bud. Like we're all they're all cool guys and they're all super supportive. Um, which is really cool. You know, so yeah, I think you know, I think I I noticed what Daryl was doing, for instance, and I think, you know, if if I was able to do what I did this year, I think Daryl would have been like, Hey, you know, nice fish, kid. Um Yeah. Do you has there been points in time? I I don't know. Let me touch touching back on the geography thing, and because I just I don't know where where all those guys live in Washington. Has there been in times? Has there been times where you can kind of relate the bite to your on? I mean, like, dude, Frank will go out there at like two o'clock in the morning, and I and I know you like kind of fishing early in the morning, and Frank will go out there and he'll catch you know two sixes and a seven in a night on like a psycho gill. Yeah, and is is that kind of is that relative to like a bite you're on? Like you kind of know that you're going to go out there and you're going to catch, you know, a couple decent fish on top early, or is it, does it seem like there's kind of a difference between that bite relative to like the mileage and the hours apart from you guys, or is it all kind of the same since you're pretty close to the same region at, I mean, you are in the same region more or less. Yeah. We're, we're fishing the same weather patterns, which is cool. Yep. Like whatever blows through here is going to blow through there mm-hmm. um, within a day or two. Um, my fishing the mornings is more at a necessity. Like my, my lake opens around 4am. Oh, so yours opens and closes like California type stuff. Well, I guess it's the same thing. Yeah. They got a gate, right? So like, if you can get on, you can stay on if you're quiet. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. So my main lake opens at four. So like, and if I'm going to work at nine, I can go get four hours in, right? Like. Right. So that's that's why my mornings would play. But um, no, going back to like the Washington thing and how they've inspired and 
you know, opened my eyes to things. The, uh, my night bite, my night fishing was definitely inspired by, by that. Um, last year I didn't really enjoy night fishing at all. And, you know, this year I kind of forced myself to, and then started getting onto a bite and, and figuring it out. And then by year end, I really, really enjoyed it and grew, you know, grew a huge appreciation for it. And I think that's in big part to just seeing what was being done relatively locally and, mm-hmm. and just being like, okay, like big fish can be caught at night. Cause all I've really seen is small fish locally caught at night. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And then, but then like, whether it's, you know, Washington state or it's Maine or it's Michigan or it's California or wherever, like there's, there's a lot of good dudes out there that are doing really, really cool things and super inspiring. Yeah. yeah. Fuck. What was I going to say? Um, Oh, kind of not necessarily anything on track here, but if, if you could, if you had the chance, if, if, if Steven Clipper was the all power God, (laughs) control the weather patterns and how the fish are reacting, would you set up the 2023 spring season, summer, fall, like it was this year? Or what would you do a little bit different that would benefit you and, and your, your tournament fishing a little bit better? Or did it just set up, you know, picture perfect on how you would want it this year? This year was about as perfect, I think, as like in my limited experience, what I, what I would consider to be the perfect year. Right. And yeah, and- we kind of kind of go in depth on how how this fall set up like you and i talked about it a couple of weeks ago on like this kind of strange phenomenon it is right now for you guys right now yeah our whole year really like we had the spring like once winter broke we had a little bit of ice that went away um let's say february and then basically from march until the summer solstice it was spring lake conditions and just pre-spawn it never broke into that like spawny temperature um which was extended like a heavily extended so we had this huge drawn out essentially pre-spawn weather pattern right up until summer and the day that the solstice hit the temperatures flipped it was like a light bulb and it went into the high 20s celsius which i don't know what that is in your your crazy stuff but it went into (laughs) summer it was hot right but it it, the summer didn't get hot hot we never had any drastic heat waves like we did last year it was stable and it was relatively mild um you know we're surrounded by the ocean so that keeps us you know kind of cool um and that carried on and then the fall transition started to happen and then it just paused and we had this fall transition that that lasted and lasted until you know, it was probably about a month and a half long before it flipped yeah. into fall patterns. So these fish had had like the perfect season where they could they could feed all spring with no, you know, no regard for the summer heat to come. The summer heat never really came. It was just a stable, nice, warm summer. And then they were just given bait fish for like two months, all up shallow, pushed and just fed and fed and fed. So I like right now as things are turning and, you know, we got snow, you know, forecasted. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a window right now where there's some giants that are just fat as all anything swimming around. And uh, God, I hope I hook up with one. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if next year could be like this year, I think it'd be about perfect. Right. Got uh, cliff note, uh, 20, 20 degrees Celsius is like 
70 it's like 65 to 70 degrees fahrenheit somewhere in there maybe like 68 but for anybody who doesn't know uh, but anyway uh <laughs> what i was gonna say it was something to do with the way your bite just set up uh crap you touched on it and then i i was thinking about the celsius thing um oh trout do you got, I mean, mm. we talked about how, how small the island and stuff is. <clears throat> do you have naturally occurring trout in your lakes? I mean, I can't imagine that they, they drive a stock truck out on a ferry just to come throw trout in six lakes on this little BFD <clears throat> island. So, so this island, like, it's, it's not tiny, right? Like, it's not, not tiny, tiny. Like, do you um, get, like, a supermarket, like a Walmart? Or oh, anything? yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the, the provincial capital is actually on this island. Okay, well, I didn't know if it was, like, Hawaii, where, like, ham- like a Burger King, like, meal costs, like, $20 or something. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't sure, like, the island equivalent of, of what you lived on. I, I think it's the size of Switzerland, if I were to... But your geography oh, sucks. So actually, I was but... just about to say, rounding back to the geography thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, so, like, uh, it's a long, skinny island. Um, I don't know how... <laughs> anyway, so, it's... Uh, yeah, no, they they do drive trout over of all things, um, really? or they might even have hatcheries here. I'm not I'm not sure, but uh, no, they do stock the lakes and they stock them quite extensively. Uh, they do a, a good stocking in the spring, and That's then they awesome. take the summer off and start up again in the fall and do a, a few different dumps. Um, yeah, oh, I don't I... know if there's really any naturally occurring ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I to be honest with you, I'm I'm super ignorant to to trout. Um, <laughs> <laughs> trout suck so do you i mean ha, do you think that's why that mini trucha or just trucha just th- those wake baits do you think that's why they do so great in the spring is like when they're pushing up because they're like oh man there's one of those stupid you know planter mm-hmm. trout up there i'm gonna go get a quick meal before i start to push up and, and get on this bed to bump the fuzz with a male yeah i think i think that the i think that the the trophy class fish in our lakes are going to be eating trout. And, um, I mean, the truch is a great trout imitator. The canines, every, like, I mean, a lot of the baits are, are great trout imitators. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if, um, I don't know how much I put into them being like, that's a trout. Right. Or just that that's that's something I can eat. Um, you know, we got a lot of big perch. We got a lot of smallmouth bass. We got a lot of carp. Um, a lot of carp. So <laughs> I don't know where these things all fall in their in the forage pyramid. Um, but I do I do know for sure, like with a hundred percent without a doubt that there is a distinct trout stock bite that these fish you know that they a mode that they move into right Um, yeah yeah are they i mean this you might you might know the answer you might not are they stocking these trout strictly for you know just just fish nutrients or are they doing it for like they do in california for for families to go out there and have fun and and catch 12 trout and go home and, and have a trout dinner for two times out of the year (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's they're all um it's all for you know for fishing for, for fun <laughs> yeah 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 it's all for 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 fishing 
Um, I don't think that they, you know, the powers that be understand how many actually yeah, probably exactly. make it. But um, I'm not going to tell them any difference. <laughs> no, that's that's like that's what I've always thought is these um, Michigan. So we, I mean, we're special. We have these freshwater steelhead and salmon and stuff, and mm-hmm. they plant they plant these fish because the natural reoccurring spawn isn't always the greatest. So they plant them in there to make sure the numbers don't fall. But we don't. There's like. As far as I know, I can count like on two hands how many lakes that actually get trout stocked into them for that reason. Like here, you know, a trout eating bass, people would look at you like you're fucking crazy. Like trout, tr- these trout, trout in Michigan are 20 pounds. There's not a bass eating a trout that big. And so, sure, like, for sure, it's just it's it's just a stigma. And here, yeah, and here they've adapted the like they were initially stalking um, smaller fish. <clears throat> I want to say like six to eight inches and, oh, and they've, they've evolved now to where they're, they're aiming for more of that like eight to 10 and like closer to the 10 inch. Um, right. And they were attributing it because they felt like they were losing too many to the cormorants. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's entirely true, but so they've, <laughs> it's been interesting just to, in the last couple of years, they've made that change and, and I think that, um, I think that that's going to have a distinct impact on a bass population that for 20 years has been keyed in on six to eight inch bass and is now facing eight, eight to 10 inch bass or sorry, uh, stock trout. Dude, that's, that's crazy. Okay. So the stock trout they drop here are literally like four inches. And so they, mm. they stock them, they stock them where these, where these trout spawn and mind you, fuck, it's probably 30 miles from the big lake, and all these fish push in from the big lake. So these, these little, you know, four-inch trout are fighting their way all the way back into the big lake to, to, to be out there for three years and spawn. And mm. the, rivers, the rivers up at home are, like, super... That's where the old world-record brown trout came out of and stuff. And there's a lot of pike, and... I, I got to imagine there's super nice bass in there and, and nobody, nobody like thinks that th- these fish get like eaten by these like quote unquote game predator fish in that 30 mile stretch. But I've always believed that there's got to be some super big fish in there that just take advantage of these little oh, fish yeah. trout to swim back and forth. And everybody's always like, Oh, well they get eaten by the steelhead, the salmon that are coming up and the brown trout and, and the birds and stuff. But you know, there's some super big pike in there, and it's like you got to believe that there's big bass, and they're just doing the same exact thing. They just don't get targeted, or or like the the recognize reckon, uh, they don't get recognized as as a fish sure. like that because here it's like here it's a shit fish. I mean, I'll speed bass are just something that you do when there's no when when you're not good enough to catch a trout. That's pretty much all it is here. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think you're. I think you're right, and I think. I mean, there's survival of the fittest, so it benefits the mm-hmm. population if there's some predators kind of picking off the weak ones. But uh, you know, and then it feeds, you know, feeds a population that otherwise would be left kind of hungry. So, yeah, it's. Uh, do they when they stock it? Do they just do it once a year, or do they do it kind of in the spring and fall? Like I think that's what they do in California. Yeah, they do it here, and they do it. Um, incrementally throughout the spring and fall so they'll do 
fairly heavy plantings, um, you know, a thousand fish. Both the lakes that I fish are, let's say, like 180, 160 acres. Um, and they'll put in, you know, the last one at my home lake was, I think, 1,800 trout. Um, and they'll do that, you know, three or four or five times throughout the fall and same amount of number of times in the spring. Um, one lake they put in, you know, they'll put in one dump of those little four inch fish right at mm-hmm. the start of the fall. Right. And then yeah. they'll go back to the 10 inch. Um, and the, so they put those in so that they're, you know, they'll overwinter and be catchable in the spring. Right. And then the other lake they actually put in like, instead of the four inch that goes in my home lake, they put in these like 16 inch. Holy something. shit. It's a meal. Or like, <laughs> yeah, they put in these like giants, like 750 gram fish as opposed to the 250 gram catchables. So they put in these like wow. mondos. Yeah. And cutthroats into that lake too. So it's, um, and cutthroats. I mean, those, those are just snack size. Right. Fast. Yeah. I is, need, uh, if LFOD is listening, that proto trout in cutthroat would look really good. I was, I was just about to ask, have, have you gotten to like, ex- experience isn't the right word. Have you gotten to mess around with like the, the, the huds or like any, any big soft trout baits when, when these fish are getting stocked or is that something you're kind of just not necessarily staying away from, but that's like when you're fishing a wake bait is when this stuff is going on. Yeah, this so this year I really wanted to um I wanted to like increase my soft swim bait game cuz last year I didn't throw them at all. Um so I started throwing the citizen in the spring and had really good success on it and then for whatever reason I got away from it and stopped throwing it. I think what happened was I didn't have a a reel um so I was I was throwing it on a like a 5 4 to 1 which presented the bait beautifully right? Like it swam just so minty and I got bit, but I'd get bit and then I'd go to set the hook and the fish would be like, you know, 60 feet to the left by the time I got all my slack and I cut through eight pads when I set the hook and I'd lose it. And this happened too many times. So I just stopped. Um, so I've got to get a, a faster reel, um, for that setup. But, um, this fall, I've I've gotten back into the soft swim baits and fishing them deep and just bumping bottom and really connecting with some solid fish that way. Yeah, yeah. And just playing off that the trout eater um, potential. Have you? I mean, you've you've caught a lot of good fish with soft baits in the last couple of weeks. Have you? Did you switch reels and setups for that, or are you kind of still fishing the same thing, but just getting more efficient with with what you're using? Uh, yeah, no, I switched to, um, I'm still throwing, still throwing the slow reel a little bit. Um, it's fine in open water when I don't have to worry, you know, about, you know, I can pick up line and not have to worry about being in a pad forest and, and there yeah. being all yep. these stalks in the way. Um, but I'm throwing, predominantly throwing them on a Dioa coastal that I really like. Um, the, the new one, the, the, blue ones or the older ones it's blue yeah 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 i got it off um sky tom on sbu and uh it's really it's i really like it i'm i'm used to shimano's but really liking that Daiwa. um and just being mindful just to like if i'm bumping bottom i can really feel it so mm-hmm. i can slow down 
Whereas I think when I'm trying to fish it in a water column, like off bottom, um, it's harder for me to, to actively slow down and I don't know how fast I'm going. So I can deal with the higher gear ratio when I'm actually making bottom contact. Yeah. You, you said five, five, whatever gear ratio and did that. Yeah, five, four. I'm just, I'm just, I'm picturing that in my head. I, I, like I said, I fish HG and I had a six, two the other day and I was like, I was just trying to burn this fucking bait. And I'm like, this thing is not moving. Like, I could not imagine a five to four. We got to get you a, like a three, two to one or something. Just oh my God. That'd be your wake reel. I, I had a, I had a spinning reel that was like a four, one to one. And, um, my, when, when our, when my girlfriend and I's puppy, or when our dog was a puppy, I would always cast baits out with that spinning reel. And uh, once he got older, like I could not reel it fast enough for him to keep it away. Oh. And, then, and then I was like, oh my gosh, like, I, I never realized like real like gear ratios until then. And then until I started like getting super comfortable with an HG and then not necessarily even stepping down because I mean, a six, two is not slow, but, but starting to use a six, two, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is like, this is like, I feel like I'm reeling backwards. Like I'm letting yeah. it out more than I'm reeling it in. <laughs> well, and going back to your episode with Frank, um, <clears throat> Frank said something just if anybody hasn't listened like he said he'll throw yeah he'll throw his wakes at night with a slower gear ratio because it's at night you're just it's hard you don't you can't see it and you don't you know you'll just fall into that pattern of reeling too fast um but if you've got it on a slower gear ratio it's okay and i did that when you know i heard that episode and i was like that makes sense you know i'm fishing a lot of nights right now i'm not you know, so I switched it over and it was like, boom, boom, boom. It works. So yeah, something to yeah, it. I think, I, I think over this winter, I'm going to snag Leviathan, uh, alpha, alpha soft or alpha swim for, for soft baits, because that's something that I'm severely lacking in, in the, the swim bait category is soft bait fishing. And because the few I've caught on soft baits, it's just a load of fun. And I think, mm-hmm. I'll probably, I don't know. There's so many reels out there, but I want to get a slower, probably like a six or a seven gear ratio. And oh, sorry, I got the uh, beer burps right now. But I want to fish it like you were talking about, like and, and Trey Smith, the 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 moderator in universe. For anybody who doesn't know, he when he was on the podcast, he was on a super sick. Uh, I can't remember what burrito bait it was but like he's talking about how he's like fishing these like a jig like he's bouncing it and just kind of bumping it off bottom and stuff and that that's something that i want to experiment with because i think i could just wreck some small moth like that in in the Mm -hmm. spring because it just sounds so fun it sounds so appealing to me for some odd reason i don't know why yeah well and even going back you'd ask like you know your ideal bite you know it's right up there with a good soft swim bait bite um feeling that tick and reeling down and feeling that pressure and like there's just so much anticipation um whereas with the top water or like a wake bite you it happens and it's over right like you get blown up on and you know it and it's boom you're on whereas that soft swim bait like time slows right down and and you've got you've got some time with that fish where you know you know it's the hooks in its mouth and you're like all right i'm about to fuck you up and that's there's not much better than that. So it's a tough call, man. I, I can totally see your appeal to that. <laughs> and it's 
I don't know. I, I say fishing it like a jig, and I'll be honest. Like I'm, uh, I don't think I've ever like mentioned this, but I've probably caught like three fish on a jig. I don't know what it is, but that style of fishing has just never been my cup of tea. I've never been good at it. But well, I you fish I pretty could, fast, I hear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think I could. I think I could lay the wood to some fish with soft baits, like I have with huds. But I've never like walked a citizen on on rip and wrap or anything, and that just is so appealing to me because it sounds like so much fun. Yeah, yeah, not much better. Um, I'm looking at the list, and like we've we've covered everything and a lot more. Is there anything else that that you, off the top of your head, want to talk about? No, man. I mean, uh, I think it's uh, it's a long haul for anybody to listen to this much. And if if we ever want to do a, you know, a part two or connect again, I'd be happy to do that for sure. Yes, for sure. For anybody, well, I mean. Nobody really knows this, but uh, Stephen has has low key been been the editor in chief behind Scales and Tails. <laughs> he's, he's he's always the guy who. Uh, I mean, if you guys can tell, I mean, probably from. I, I we were talking earlier, and you were you were on a little tangent, and so I'm like, I'm gonna see how long how long Stephen and I have been talking for. And April 27th was the first day on Facebook Messenger you reached out and you talked to wow. me. Wow! And since then, like. Dude, it was honestly like four messages in and you were constructively criticizing the podcast and what I could do different. And I mean, I I haven't noticed because I record every single episode, but it sounds like obviously you uh Steven is the guy who tells me like, hey, you could you could do this a little bit different, or I think your approach to this was good, but maybe maybe come at this angle next time. And so I want to thank Steven for that. I don't know if you guys can tell, but Steven's always like, hey, like Maybe maybe just switch us up a little bit. So whether that's for the better or good, I don't know. <laughs> Stephen always really enjoys enjoys it when I take take his advice and I and I come at stuff from a different angle. So I appreciate that because yeah. nobody else really. Every I'm not gonna say it's a bad thing, but everybody really enjoys the show, and it's it, not saying it's repetitive to hear like, oh, it's a super good show. But if you guys have critiques, like please tell me. Like you're not gonna hurt my feelings. This is literally something I do for fun and. If I can make it better for the listeners, then I want to do that. Whether like there's times where Steven, like the last episode, <laughs> one of the last couple episodes, Steven's like, "Hey, dude, like uh, I I enjoyed the, I enjoy you, but like you talked a lot during this last episode, <laughs> like like uh, like make, maybe tone it down a little bit." And I'm like, "Okay, like that's that's what I'm gonna do for the next episode." So I appreciate. Yeah. Steven. So then the next episode is me just blabbing <laughs> on and on and on. <laughs> yeah, but like, but like, dude, that's like everybody. Nobody listens to 46 episodes because they want to hear my voice. They listen to 46 episodes because they want to hear what the guest has to say in, in, in their style of fishing and stuff. So, so I appreciate that because if, if you never said anything, dude, I, I don't even want to imagine. Well, I can't. I cannot even imagine what, what these shows would be like. like I, I don't listen to them. And if I do listen to the whole thing, I, I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. But it's because... I'm biased. Like I, I don't have, I literally have Steven to constructive, constructive criticism, the show and, and kind of tell me what I need to work on. So I appreciate that a lot because nobody else does it. So you keep me on straight and narrow for sure. Well, there you go. You know what though? But like, it's cause I, I appreciate what you're doing. Um, it's cool to get a glimpse into all these guys who, you know, for the most part, they're, they're dudes who I recognize off, Swimbait Universe, um, 
who I look up to and who are doing cool things. And, you know, you provide a little glimpse into them. And I feel like after I listen to an episode, I might know them a little bit better or um, just get a, a better idea of who they are and what they do. And, and that's really cool. So I appreciate what you, what it is you're doing, Adrian. And um, if my, <laughs> if my constructive criticisms are, <laughs> are appreciated, then, then you'll keep getting them. Even if they aren't appreciated, you'll probably keep getting them. I, uh, I actually, I actually screenshotted the first messages. So, so Steven hits me up and says, I'm digging the show. Appreciate the time you put into it, into making these, uh, I'm a bit of a podcast junkie, so I'll burn through them fast and I'll be waiting for more. And uh, I, I answered him a couple hours later. I'm like, thanks. Like, t- tell me what you enjoy. I tell me what you enjoy. I I always enjoy constructive criticism on what I can do better. And I kid you not, probably about ten messages later, he not necessarily lays into me, but he's like, okay, dude, like I'm listening to this because I enjoy the I enjoy the cliche group. I do not enjoy I do not enjoy the productivity, uh, the the quality of the audio. And so like after that point in time, like I I tell people I'm like. You have to have good Wi-Fi because if not, it's just it's just not gonna be great. It's not for you. It'll be awesome, but for me, I'm gonna have to listen to this guy bitch about terrible audio. So we need to get that squared away now. Yeah, this guy's jumping in my DMs and he's giving me a hard time. So you better have good Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right on, man. No, I appreciate but, it. It's cool. Uh, yeah, dude. Um, shout shout out your Instagram. You just have Instagram. You don't have YouTube or anything, right? You don't have. T- you're not. No, nah, no, no public YouTube. That's all for me yeah what yeah no so it's, yeah steven underscore clipper i just kept it easy it's uh clipper with a k like flipper the dolphin and uh yeah or, or on facebook just steven clipper k-l-i-p-p-e-r um um if you look at his profile and it says steven clipper updated her profile picture you're on the right account like that's yeah <laughs> that is him <laughs> yeah targeted ads <laughs> I don't understand that, but uh, yeah, dude, I'll, <laughs> I'll leave your Instagram linked and, and everything. And, and like you said, if you guys, I mean, he's active on Instagram, he's active on Facebook, he's active on Swimbait Universe, I'm sure. I'm sure you guys have scrolled through and you've seen this guy, you know, post sevens and eights. And you might, if you're a Southern guy or even in the Midwest, you're like, oh my gosh, that's a good fish. But to hear him and to see like, oh my gosh, this guy's from fucking British Columbia, Canada, and he's he's pulling fish out like that it's it's pretty badass i've I've talked to a lot of guys and uh guys like oh my gosh yeah that steven guy's a stick like you should have him on and we had a little deal and and steven actually broke that deal he came on earlier than than what was expected of him from the goal he has yet to achieve as of now but he came on so i can't complain i appreciate that hey thanks man i appreciate you having me on and uh yeah we'll do it again sometime yeah, dude, for sure. So like I said, I'll link Steven's Instagram in there. Um, make sure if you guys don't follow him already, follow him. Make sure if you guys don't follow the podcast, do that. Scales and Tails underscore podcast. Uh, make sure if you guys don't already, give the give the podcast a rating on your listening platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. Give it a true rating. Like I said, constructive criticism will always take the place over just emptiness, good jobs. Not that I don't like it, but I'd rather you guys kind of nitpick the show than... And just kind of give me a ticket because you guys enjoy what I'm doing here. It always can be better. That's what I tell myself. But also make sure if you guys haven't already, check out the Scales and Tails podcast store. Um, all the purchases and profits from this month are going to the donation for November. So you guys will have a couple couple weeks after the show's air, show airs. But 
on a th- oh also shout out leviathan like you guys will hear at the beginning of the episode the the 20 percent off scales 20 discount code use that code and uh snag a leviathan for a little bit cheaper than you would retail they're kick-ass rods they're my my favorite rods and hopefully uh hopefully by spring steven will have a couple of those that, that's that's the plan at least but uh like I said, I want to thank Steven for coming on. Like I said, make sure you guys follow him because he he catches some okay fish for where he's at. Let's, let's keep it like that. But uh, I want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank Steven for taking some time out of his night to come on, and I hope you guys have a great time. Thanks, guys.